Chip Kelly to Ohio State, it almost makes too much sense. You are locked on college football, your daily podcast on all things college football. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome, everybody, to another episode of Locked On College Football. I'm your host, Spencer McLaughlin. Thank you so much for making this your first listen or your first view. Post-coaching carousel movement. Again, that's the entire idea of this show. The carousel, the portal, realignment, everything. This is your daily source to stay up to date with the biggest stories in the greatest sport on planet Earth. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Today's episode is brought to you by FanDuel. Today's bonus episode, I should say. Make every moment more. New customers join today. You'll get $200 in bonus bets if your first bet of $5 or more wins. Visit FanDuel.com slash Locked On to get started. We're going up north to Columbus, which means on this show, to my left, on the screen or right, depending on which way you think about it, Jay Stevens, Locked On Ohio State Buckeyes. I'll share my quick reaction first, then we'll dive into this. Chip Kelly and Ryan Day have ties together going back to their time at New Hampshire, which is where Chip Kelly was prior to his arrival to Oregon. Chip Kelly was either the head coach of the OC, I think, at New Hampshire, running this weird thing called the spread offense and no huddle and fast tempo, revolutionary concepts at the time. He goes to Oregon, but when he was at New Hampshire, Ryan Day was his quarterback. So you have now gone from you know mentor to mentee for both of these guys, and that's that's got to be a strange role to kind of flip there, but why I think this is perfect, Jay, you've got two guys who know each other well, who philosophically see the game the same way. Chip Kelly's pedigree is well-established at this point. He's got a veteran quarterback with Will Howard. I think that when Bill O'Brien announced he's going to Boston College, this is the best Ohio State could have done with their offensive coordinator move, keeps them squarely as one of the favorites in the Big Ten and to win the national championship. I'm right there with you, man. It's one of those things that I said to you previously, and I really don't think I shared it with anybody else. I kind of was thinking this should have happened a few weeks ago. You mentioned that tie there, but I also believe that Day and Chip Kelly coached together when Day became a coach. So you had coach and quarterback, then coach and coach, and now coach and coach once again, but for the first time, Ryan Day's the boss, not Chip Kelly. So I'm curious how that dynamic is going to go. But Spencer, I've been saying this when it comes to Ohio State's offensive coordinator position. There's two things you want to look for in a coach that you come in and you bring in for this spot. One, previous head coaching experience. Two, a guy who has who is a well-established play caller in NFL or college football. Bill O'Brien was that. Chip Kelly is that. So you had two guys, two candidates that fit that description. But I think the fan... Not, maybe family ties. I don't know how close their families are, but the friendship and former coach relationship that Ryan Day and Bill and excuse me, Ryan Day and Chip Kelly had goes into why this is a higher right now. You guys will hear me stumble and say Bill O'Brien or Chip Kelly on accident because three weeks ago, Ohio State hired Bill O'Brien to be their OC and QB coach. He is not going to Boston. And I do think this is more of a family move. Yes, a financial upgrade as well. But I do think this is more of a family move as there's a his son, really bad medical condition, has been getting treatment up there. And his family hadn't moved to Columbus just yet. They were still up in Boston. So it does make a lot of family ties there with that with that decision. But it makes a whole lot of sense. And Ryan Day can do what he wants to do, not call plays, have somebody else who he trusts 
handle the Buckeyes offense. Yeah, I, I think that that component of it works beautifully because that was part of the discussion this offseason is Ryan Day's not calling plays anymore. There are too many other responsibilities to be a college football head coach. And it works for Chip Kelly because he can be at his best. You know what Chip Kelly despises? He doesn't like recruiting a whole heck of a lot. Well, they've got Ryan Day and Brian Hartline especially to, to handle that aspect of it. And he likes just football. And Chip Kelly can just show up, call plays, and just coach football. And he hasn't been an offensive coordinator in a long, long time, not since his days at Oregon. I mean, 2008 would have been the last season that he was an offensive coordinator, not a head coach, but he's been the play caller at UCLA the last several years. Now, this past season is where I, I think some people might look at Chip Kelly and say, is this really still a great hire? Is this 10 years too late? Because of what UCLA's offense was this past year. They ended the season 8-5. and five. They did an, uh, an L.A. Bowl victory over the Mountain West champions in Boise State. But UCLA's problem this year was that they did not have a stable, high-ceiling quarterback situation. They were in a transition year. And so for anyone that doubts Chip Kelly and says, this isn't the right time, he's not the same guy that he was, not exactly the same guy, no. However... I encourage you to look at what he did with Dorian Thompson Robinson at UCLA in the modern era, not what happened this past year when he was stuck between a high floor, low ceiling, inexperienced veteran quarterback in Ethan Garbers, a mostly running quarterback transfer from Kent State in Colin Schley, and a highly recruited freshman in Dante Moore, who ended up going back to Oregon where he'd once verbally committed. Anyway, I think that Chip Kelly is still a really, really good offensive mind. He doesn't like to mess with NIL. He doesn't like to mess with donors. He doesn't like to recruit. He doesn't like to do any of that sort of stuff. Putting him in this OC role, I think, allows him to be at his best, and that is a great thing for Ohio State. You mentioned Hartline, and I think lost in all of this shuffle between Bill O'Brien and Chip Kelly, Brian Hartline is still the co-offensive coordinator at Ohio State. So Chip Kelly is coming in to run the entire offense, and his assistant is Brian Hartline, who you mentioned is a really good recruiter. But Ryan Day has well established himself as being somebody who's not afraid to spend the time that is needed on the road, driving around Ohio or in the airplane to get the recruits that Ohio State needs to have on their roster. So for Chip Kelly to be simply a football guy and not want the other stuff, there are people on Ohio State's current coaching staff that can do those things for him. But as long as, here's my thing. I like Chip Kelly. Really good coach. He's running the Buckeyes offense, not Chip Kelly's offense. So my only maybe hesitation, which it would be that way with Bill O'Brien or whoever, Jason Candle, Toledo head coach, whoever comes in to be the OC, are you comfortable putting your own stuff aside for Ryan Day's offense? My thought is yes. I don't think he would have taken this job if he thought that he would not, that would not be the case. But only time will tell. We'll see more in season. Spring practice, spring game a little bit, but more in season. What Chip Kelly is going to do with the Buckeyes offense in the fall. It just sucks, Spencer. We got to wait till August, late August, September, October to really get the feel about what Chip Kelly will do with Abuka and Quinshawn Junkins, Travion Henderson, and all these other phenomenal athletes that Ohio State has on the roster. But it's a good move. It does help impact Brian Hartline because Chip Kelly could use this to get a different job, another head coaching job, and also help groom Brian Hartline to be the offensive coordinator by himself for Ohio State in the future. 
Yeah, I think that's a great way to look at it. And, you know, Chip Kelly might only stick around for a couple of seasons. He may want to be a head coach just somewhere else that's not UCLA. And and certainly being the Ohio State offense coordinator is a high profile spot where you can accomplish that if you have a sufficient level of success. I mean, we've seen Luke Fickle, of course, have a great coaching career. He's at Wisconsin now. Ryan Day, obviously, was under Urban Meyer, has taken over and done a seamless job. So, I, I think this is the right move, and you were looking for you know a situation if you're Ryan Day in which you don't have to call plays anymore, and you want someone who you can trust, who's called plays for a long time, who you know. I, I think this lines up really, really well, and I think that the, the Brian Hart line and just Ohio State factor in general kind of neutralized Chip Kelly's biggest weakness, which is, well, he didn't really love to recruit. That's not what he does. Let everybody else worry about player and talent acquisition. They got a whole staff of people to go out and recruit and make pitches and everything like that. And just let Chip Kelly show up, scheme an offense, call plays. I think that works in a really, really big way. And I think this is the best move Ohio State could have made for their offensive coordinator job. Jay Stevens, Locked On Buckeyes. Thanks so much for stopping by, Jay. Really enjoyed this, man. Got to do it again. Abso-freaking-lutely. This Chip Kelly move, I got thoughts from the UCLA angle. The Bruins are not in a good place at all whatsoever in more ways than one. This bonus episode of Locked On College Football is brought to you by FanDuel. Happy Super Bowl to all who celebrate from FanDuel, America's number one sports book. If you're like me, Super Bowl Sunday is all about scoring the best seat on the couch, grabbing your favorite football snacks, and placing some super bets. FanDuel has so many ways for you to end the season with a W or two or three or four or however many you can rack up. Not only can you bet on who will win Super Bowl 58, I've got the 49ers personally 24 to 20, but you can bet on which players will score a touchdown, Christian McCaffrey, how many points will be scored less than 50 and so much more new customers join today and you'll get $200 in bonus bets if your first bet of $5 or more wins just visit fanduel.com slash locked on to sign up that's fanduel.com slash locked on to sign up and get everything that you want related to the Super Bowl college football and beyond make every moment more with fanduel an official sportsbook partner of the NFL UCLA is a mess, and it is not a good job right now. The reported targets include P.J. Fleck at Minnesota, Ryan Grubb potentially could be an option down at Alabama, the offensive coordinator, and stop me if you've heard this one before, a coordinator gets hired and then decides before he ever calls a play for that school to take another job. Yeah, Bill O'Brien did that. We're talking about him later in the show. Those would be two names at the top of my list if I were UCLA. P.J. Fleck has done a good job at Minnesota. UCLA in theory is a better job, but is it? Because UCLA right now is in absolute shambles. And this is an administration that needs to have a long, hard discussion with itself about how committed they are to being good at football. Because they have demonstrated time and time again, DeAnton Lynn, the defense coordinator, who I'll get to in a moment, also could be a target. He's at USC right now. They have demonstrated time and time again that they are not invested in football the way that you need to be in order to to succeed in today's world of college football. They just aren't. And DeAnton Lynn, who will no doubt get a phone call from UCLA, is a perfect example because he was a great hire, not a good, a great hire by Chip Kelly a season ago. He coordinated an outstanding defense. The offense didn't have the quarterback play that it needed. They were in a transition year at that position, and they were between Ethan Garbers, who was just okay, and Dante Moore, who threw too many picks, and Colin Schley, who was more of a runner. 
they couldn't find their footing on offense last year. I think Chip Kelly still knows offense, and I think it's a good hire for Ohio State. But UCLA had DeAnton Lynn, who was probably, if you were giving out these awards, the coordinator of the year in the Pac-12. He called them the best defense in the conference a season ago, even better than Oregon's, even better than Utah's, better than Oregon State's. And they were really, really good. They had some good players, but it was their scheme that really changed. And he was at the focal point of it. And UCLA let him walk to USC. I know USC's a bigger brand. I know USC's got Lincoln Riley. But if you were UCLA, if you were actually committed, that would never happen. Perfect example, University of Washington. Ryan Grubb was the offensive coordinator in 2022. Washington went 11 and 2. You know who wanted to hire him? Alabama. Alabama with Nick Saban did not want Tommy Reese as much as they wanted Ryan Grubb. And guess what? Washington said, we will pay you whatever it takes to keep you as our offensive coordinator. And they gave him $2 million a year, highest paid coordinator in the Pac-12 a season ago. DeAnton Lynn says, I want to go to USC, and rather than saying, we will throw the kitchen sink at you, we will do anything to keep you as our defensive coordinator, they didn't just let him walk out the door, they let him go down the street. They let him go to their crosstown rival, who they're going into the Big Ten with. That is an institutional failure of a commitment to not be able to retain DeAnton Lynn as the defensive coordinator. And now Chip Kelly, who wanted to go to the NFL reportedly, wasn't able to make anything work in those regards, would rather be the offensive coordinator at Ohio State than the head coach at UCLA. How many other jobs does that apply to? That's usually a jump that happens when you're going from the FCS ranks to the FBS ranks or from the group of five to the power four. That's the sort of jump that it usually entails, but that is the difference in commitment from Columbus to UCLA's campus. And it should be a good job. I would caution whether it's PJ Fleck or even DeAnton Lynn or Ryan Grubb or anybody from taking that job. Not just because it is a massive undertaking from a roster standpoint. Do you know where their high school recruiting ranks in 2024 for this class? 87th. Their transfer rank, 49th. And guess what? Now that Chip Kelly has departed, those players can enter the transfer portal if they decide to. So it's going to be an even worse situation. UCLA could be one of the biggest rebuilds in the Big Ten, up there with Michigan State, up there with more than what Washington and Michigan are going to have to reload with. I mean, heck, Michigan, according to our friends at FanDuel, is an 11.5 point favorite in Seattle next year, which might be a few too many points with the talent that Washington has actually added. I would rather have either of those jobs, which are complete, not complete. Okay. UCLA is a complete and total tear down, build it from the ground up. But you have got a situation in which two rosters that have undergone massive change and are going to be big time pullback teams in 2024 are much better situations than what you have at UCLA. And so I question the commitment. If I'm a head coaching candidate who's going to interview for that job, I would, I would hammer in on, are we committed to NIL? Can we? Well, they can work in the transfer portal. Chip Kelly's brought in some good transfer portal classes. 
But how bought in are we? How bought in are alumni, our boosters, our fans, the administration? Is everyone actually behind this thing? Because all the indicators that I see are that UCLA is not as good of a job as it should be, and that it's not a great job. This is a complete and total rebuild. You're the number two team in your own city. Now, the allure of UCLA is twofold. Number one, they're in the Big Ten. That's one of the power two conferences in all of college football. And number two, they are in Los Angeles. So if you can get things going and make it right, we have seen UCLA. Chip Kelly once upon a time in 2022 with Dorian Thompson Robinson had them ranked inside the top 10. They'd beaten the reigning Pac-12 champion Utah Utes. And then they went to Oregon, lost, and things kind of fell apart from there. But it's not as if Chip Kelly proved that you can't win there. It's just that the situation he's leaving behind is a mess. And here's the other thing. Kevin Borba of Locked On Buffs pointed this out, and I think it's a really, really good point. And it emphasizes and underscores what I'm talking about here about the buy-in and the quality of job that UCLA actually is. Chip Kelly was rumored to be fired after the USC game. Then they won the USC game. Then they lost their regular season finale against Cal as a nine and a half point home favorite. Then they won their bowl game and they decided to retain him. But there were reports, indications that Chip Kelly will be fired after the USC game. But then he beat USC. Wasn't supposed to win that game, but he did. And so they said, okay, we'll keep him around. And coaching candidates came and went. Jonathan Smith, he would have gone to UCLA. He would have at least taken a phone call there. He's a West Coast guy. He's in East Lansing now. But would UCLA have been able to hire him? Possibly. I think that's absolutely a possibility. How about Jed Fish? How about Jed Fish, who has been on the Rams staff before in Los Angeles? Look at the staff he's putting together up at Washington. Mighty impressive with a bunch of NFL guys. Well, you let him go. And then Chip Kelly leaves your school. You didn't fire him, per se. That's not the official word. Maybe there was an agreed-upon arrangement of, okay, yeah, you can go. We're not going to stop you or anything like that. But Chip Kelly leaves your school. It's a terrible look for UCLA. You let the coaching carousel play itself out, and your head coach leaves now in the early to middle portion of February, and suddenly you're scrambling looking for a head coach next year. Good luck. Good luck because signing classes have already been inked. National Signing Day Part 1 and Part 2, the former of which is more exciting nowadays because of the messed up college football calendar, that has all come and gone. That, that has all come and gone, and you've got a transfer portal window that will open in the spring, but won't be as busy as what we are used to when it opens in December. UCLA players have got free movement right now, but that, that, that's, that's not a whole heck of a lot that you've got there from a talent-based standpoint, because a lot of their best players went to the NFL, guys like Laitu Latu. And so I think that for UCLA, this is a really really bad situation to be in. They could bottom out hard in the Big Ten next year. This is a difficult job. Doesn't mean someone won't be interested in taking it, but I think you're more likely to get a coordinator than a head coach because P.J. Fleck up at Minnesota has had some really good years, and that's not an easy place to be. You don't have the recruiting base that you have in Southern California, in Los Angeles, for goodness sake, but does he want to go start, and I mean all the way over, This is going to be a teardown. This is a tough job. And I question how bought in UCLA football is to being a great team. They should be more than what they have been. Chip Kelly was okay whilst there, but he would rather be an offensive coordinator at Ohio State, a premier program, than be a head coach. There are not a lot of places you can say that about. 
And that is a that is a major, major indictment on UCLA. Boston College made a good hire. Boston College hired Bill O'Brien. How about the coaching carousel? It never sleeps, my friends. So the new head coach of the Boston College Eagles is one Bill O'Brien, a guy who I talked about recently, a week or two or so ago on this show, as someone who would absolutely consider the Boston College job and absolutely should, and this is a great fit. Why? Because Boston College is a school that is not thought of as a perennial power. They haven't been on the national stage since Matt Ryan was there, however many years ago that was. They are not a big-time program in the ACC. But look at where Bill O'Brien has been. His track record is one of success at places where it is not easy to succeed. You might say, well, Penn State's a high-quality job. Not at the time. There were some things off the field going on there, and Bill O'Brien stabilized that entire situation and then went to the Houston Texans. Do you know what his record was each year with the Houston Texans? Let me read this off to you from 2014 to 2020 when he was fired. He went 0-4 in that COVID year. Things were weird, but okay. So let's uh, look at what he did going into that season with the Houston Texans. 9 and 7, 9-7, 9-7, 4-12, 11-5, 10-6. He won the AFC South not once, not twice, not three times, but four times. He made the divisional round game twice with the Houston Texans. Are the Texans an organization you think of and think, well, that's a great job, great culture, always great players, good management, well run? No, not particularly, because after Bill O'Brien was relieved of his head coaching duties there, it was a cycle of absolute disastrous head coaches, and things were not going particularly well. Then they hired D'Amico Ryans, who looks to be a star. They found their quarterback with C.J. Stroud. But those are not things that Bill O'Brien always had whilst with the Houston Texans. Now, he had Deshaun Watson when he was actually a good football player in the NFL. He's not that great anymore. And Cleveland, you know, got to the same spot or so or a decent one with Joe Flacco. But anyway, Bill O'Brien is someone who has been places where it is not an easy place to win. And he's won football games. But here's something I want to ask you about Boston College. What do you think about them right now? What's what's your perception of what Boston College was a season ago? Did you know that they not could have, should have beaten Florida State with Jordan Travis? Did you know that that happened? Did, did, did you know that that game took place over there where Florida State was down? Florida State was getting pushed. Florida State was about to be upset and lose their undefeated season and Jordan Travis was there. Do, do you know who they were playing? Yeah, they were playing Boston College that particular day. Do you know how the season ended under Jeff Halfley? That was with a win. Over who? Their their fellow ACC foe, SMU. SMU was seen as some as a snub from the New Year's Six game. The opportunity to play Oregon was given to Liberty out of Conference USA instead. SMU was 11-2, champions of the American Conference, which along with the Mountain West is the premier group of five football conference in the entire country. And they went to play in the Fenway Bowl, and and Boston College emerged victorious there. They went 7-6 and six this year. So Bill O'Brien has taken over a franchise that does not have a long track record of winning, the Houston Texans. They have actually never been past the divisional round, is something I heard in the NFL playoffs earlier this year. And boy, they you know could get there one day with D'Amico Ryans and C.J. Stroud, but they, they still have not done that yet. He took over Penn State amidst a, a horrific scandal over there and was able to right the ship and go 15-9 and 
in his two seasons, including 10 and 6 in Big Ten play. And so here he goes to Boston College, which is not a complete and total teardown. It's not a rebuild. Here's something you didn't think you'd say in 2024. ACC Boston College is a better situation to take over as a head coach than Big Ten UCLA. That's crazy on two fronts. Number one, UCLA is in the Big Ten. Number two, how is Boston College a better situation to take over than UCLA? Well, let me tell you. A year ago, they had a guy at quarterback by the name of Thomas Castellanos. They brought in Grayson James from FIU to compete for the starting quarterback position. It should be a pretty interesting battle over there. But at the very least, Castellanos, who's throwing his... eh, not the most consistent. He was under 60% completion a year ago. He is a wildly effective runner. And even if he's not your starting quarterback, could be a part of their offense. They also have a 2024 high school recruit. But when a coach leaves, what we think about now in the transfer portal era is, well, who's going to leave with him? Who's going to go? No, no, no No one is going to do that with Boston College because Jeff Halfley, remember, went to the NFL. He, he went to the NFL to be a defensive coordinator. That's pretty crazy, right? But do you know what that means? He didn't have a litany of players going with him. So Boston College has done a pretty good job in the transfer portal so far this offseason. We'll see what kind of movement takes place now that Halfley's gone and Bill O'Brien's in. Some guys might decide, mm, this isn't the coach for me. But Bill O'Brien brings a pedigree of coaching that I think is appealing for, for the guys at Boston College, because this is a move that you don't just do to raise the profile of your program, you do because you can win at a higher level than you're perhaps accustomed to. And Boston College hasn't had that pop year, you know, that you see from programs that are, you know, bottom to mid-tier teams in a given league where, you know, they pop up like Colorado in the Pac-12, for instance, they were just a bottom dweller, bottom dweller. All of a sudden, 2016, they went 10-2. and two. Boston College hasn't had that yet. But do I think that that is out of the realm of possibility under Bill O'Brien's tutelage? Not at all. Because this is not a roster that just completed a winning season, mind you. This is not a roster that is going to be completely and utterly gutted in the transfer portal. They have 12 outgoing transfers on the roster. This is not a complete and total teardown. Uh, Do you know how many of those transfers, as I record this show, and uh, peruse 24-7 sports that does a great job of keeping track of all this information. Do you know how many of those transfers are going to play at Power 4 institutions? For those listening on podcasts, I'm holding up my right index finger because the answer is one. There is only one player that went into the portal that a Power 4 institution decided this player is good enough to come and play for us. Conversely, they have brought in eight players from other Power 4 institutions, ranging from the Big Ten. They got a player from Illinois, said McConnell, along the defensive line. They brought in Jerron Bradley, the wide receiver from Texas Tech. They brought in Jaden McGowan, the wide receiver from Vanderbilt, who have had a couple wide receivers, by the way, disperse themselves out into the college football world. They've brought in two former Buckeyes in Cameron Cameron Martinez and Ryan Turner. They, they brought in Treshawn Ward from Kansas State. Eight total Power 5 transfers going from other schools, Power 4, excuse me, from other schools to Boston College. That is a net addition. That is a net gain in pedigree and the caliber of player you're bringing onto your roster. 
Now, they're going to have to figure out the quarterback situation, but you have got a core of players who just completed a winning season at a place where that is not the easiest thing in the world to accomplish. It's not a top-tier job in college football, far from it. You've got a head coach who in his two previous stops, one in the NFL and one in college, was not at a place where, again, you had a grand tradition of winning at the time, and he transformed the dynamics around that program, and you'd bring him into a situation in which you're going to have a competitive quarterback battle, in which you've got the transfer portal available to you. We'll see what they what moves they're, they're able to make in the spring. And you're in a conference. Here's the kicker as to why this can work and why Bill O'Brien, I think, looked at this and said, yeah, this is the right move for me. Bill O'Brien is going into the ACC. At Ohio State, he would have been the offensive coordinator in the Big Ten. But he's in the ACC a conference where Florida State, in my view, should be the favorites. They've done a great job loading up in their offseason after losing quite a number of players from, from last year's team. Florida State should be the favorites. But Clemson, we're trying to decide if they're capable of getting back to being a perennial 10-12 to 12 win team in the regular season every single year. And after that, mm, there is a clear and present void in the ACC. It is not a juggernaut conference to go through. I think at the top, the programs Florida State and Clemson are better than what you have at the top of the Big 12. But if you're talking competitive depth, going down the middle run, middle rings, I mean, NC State has done some really nice things under Dave Doran. They were a nine-win team last year. Did you know that? Did you know that? They might have even been a 10-win team. I'm going to have to double-check that real quick because I remember... NC State being a solid team as they often have been. They were nine and four a season ago. Nine and four. Pretty, pretty darn respectable, as is often the case for the Wolfpack. They lost to Kansas State in their bowl game. They were playing to win a 10th game. I'm just saying, as good as NC State has been, they have been really solid. There aren't that many teams in the ACC I trust. So you've got a coach coming into a solid situation with a track record of winning with the team's returning starting quarterback, I believe still planning to be there next year. But if not, they've got a transfer coming in. They've also got a three-star recruit in the 2024 class if they decide to go that route. And you're playing in a conference where, look, maybe Miami pops in year three under Mario Cristobal. Maybe North Carolina finally gets over the hump, though, without Drake May. I seriously doubt it. Maybe Malik Murphy and Manny Diaz at Duke are able to surprise people. Maybe those things come to fruition, but the opportunity at the very least is there. When you have introduced three new teams, and they include SMU, Stanford, and Cal, neither one of which was a power from where they came from, because SMU literally wasn't playing Power 5 football, and Stanford and Cal were middle-to-bottom-tier teams that are rebuilding, there is an opportunity for Bill O'Brien to work at Boston College and deliver quality seasons, and they can make more noise than you might think right now. Appreciate everyone listening. I'll see you next time. And until then, hope you have a wonderful rest of your day.